Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. Now your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. I'm John Alois and I'm joined by Sean Dagenhart. Yellow! And John Redling Schaefer. Purple. Yeah, we're, I hope you're not blue out there listening to us. Wherever you're following us. That was us. completely unrehearsed, folks. <laughs> that was a beautiful I don't feel, moment. I there. don't feel good about this at all. You look green. Can, can we start over? <laughs> I think I'm going to vomit. <laughs> Wherever you're listening to us, please make sure that you subscribe. Please turn it off right now. <laughs> so, you never, so you never miss an episode. Oh, oops. Rate and review so more people find the show. Follow us on social media. Email us at podcast at the Hyperion Hub.com. We were able to pull in a special guest this week. John couldn't join us for this interview. Uh, my apologies. It is yeah. recorded. We'd like to start things off with our Disney views, and we're bringing in a special guest this week. He's the host of Coffee with Kenobi. His name is Dan Zare. We call him Mr. Z. Welcome, Dan. Hey, gentlemen. Welcome back. Um, there's something different about this place. I don't know if it's more classy or what's going on, but there's something different. Yeah, it's a two-headed monster tonight. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, John couldn't join us for this recording, but uh, we're we, happy we miss you, you could. buddy. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm I'm glad to fill. And those are big shoes to fill, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> well, we brought you on because there's some special news in the world of Star Wars. Recently, mm -hmm. Dave Filoni was named Chief Creative Officer. And we wanted to get your thoughts on what that means for Lucasfilm, what that means for Star Wars, and your opinion. Let's start off. Why don't you fill us in a little bit on who Dave Filoni is? Yeah, Dave Filoni is someone who worked on the animated series Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a great animator and storyteller. And George Lucas handpicked him to help him develop Star Wars The Clone Wars, which aired for five seasons on the card on um gosh where did it air is it nickelodeon it was, uh, no, it was on uh, nick no it was was it um cartoon, cartoon network. network yeah and then uh it went to disney and then of course then it had one season on netflix one season on disney plus and then that led to star wars rebels and and then the, helping to create the mandalorian and he's also one of the people who created ahsoka town dave filoni is if you're not familiar with Star Wars, Dave Filoni is, if you had a Mount Rushmore of Star Wars, I think you put George Lucas on it, of course, at the very top. I think you put John Williams. And I think you would have to put Dave Filoni on there, too, because of his immense contributions working with and side-by-side -side George. They became like family together. And so now the fact that he is a chief creative officer is a really, really big deal. Uh, but I also think there's a couple of things we need to point out about it as well. Okay, so yeah, I guess you sort of asked me all those things at once. All right, that which is good, which is good. I just don't want to overstep any future questions you have. First of all, this is a brand new position at Lucasfilm. There was anyone who had this before. In my amateur opinion, I don't believe this has anything to do with the future of Lucasfilm, whoever the president is or isn't. I think this is purely about Dave Filoni having more plates to spin. Uh, he says in the Variety article, which is excellent, and which you can find in Variety, Vanity Fair, lots of places, even coffeewithkenobi.com, they uh, were very clear that Dave is, the reason this is a big deal is because he's chief creative officer, but it's a brand new position. It's never existed in Lucasfilm. He's not replacing anyone. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with 
uh, anything other than before he was involved with certain aspects of Star Wars. He's one of the main people in the story group. But now, whether it's films, which is a really big deal, live action, animation, whatever it is, he's the one at the forefront of helping to shape and create these projects to propel them forward. He's in it on the ground floor, as he's quoted in the article as saying. So if you're a fan of Dave and his passion for Star Wars, and I think most Star Wars fans are, this is a really big deal because creatively, he's very steeped in the lore of the expanding universe, which is now the Legends line. Again, he's instrumental in shaping Ahsoka and helping to create her with George Lucas himself. He studied with George. They're good friends. Um, they spent hours and hours and hours together, weeks, months, years together, talking about Star Wars, creating these stories. So the fact that he's going to be a part of shaping these movies and everything else, it's, it's a great, great thing. What was his position prior? I know, I mean, he had a named position, but what was that? He was a chief executive officer, I believe. And um, again, part of the story group. I look at this as, and no one has said this, but to me, this is like, it makes him more like Kevin Feige is in Marvel. Because you're part of all of it, um, launching the stories, propelling them forward, helping to put the right people in place, and... Being the visionary that is steeped in the Lord, just like Kevin Feige understands Marvel and these comics, Dave knows Star Wars better than anybody except for George. So that that is a big, big part of it. Basically, uh, instead, it's like he's the cook in charge of the kitchen now. Which before, uh, maybe it wasn't one hundred percent clear who the chefs were. It's him. So does this take anything off of Kathleen Kennedy's plate? I mean, was she serving in some way that capacity, you know, as president of Lucasfilm, or is this no. totally different? Totally different. She's right. still she's still a president. She's right. still in charge. She's still the boss. She still makes the final decisions. But story, because people come to her with pitches and stuff. And now he's part of those pitches from the ground floor, helping to shape them. And not just in the Filoni verse of the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and the Book of Boba Fett, but everything. And I think the hope, at least for me and other fans, is. This is going to kind of kickstart and get some movies back into theaters. Because I think Star Wars at its, as its best when it's in a movie theater. Will it stretch, do you think, into theme park attractions, comic books, books, mm. everything? I hope so. I mean, I'm biased, and I think both of you will, will agree with me on this. You've got a working, living, breathing set right now on both coasts on Batuu. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you film the Mandalorian or things like that? And Dave, you know, the X-Wing that was used uh, in the first season of the Mandalorian is in Galaxy's Edge. So Dave knows the Galaxy's Edge exists. I've seen him at Galaxy's Edge before. So I, I hope it does. I, I It sounds to me, though, this is really about the movies in Disney Plus for now. But that doesn't mean it won't go in other places because he's very familiar with what's going on everywhere. We've had creative leaders uh, in the Disney company before. Um, I don't know if anyone has ever been as much of a fan as Dave has and risen to now the peak where he is. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you think is can be difficult for somebody who has been such a fan all of his life to now have all of this extra pressure on him? Right. I've actually asked, asked him that before. And... Is basic, I mean, I think it helped to cut your teeth on working with George, right? On George Lucas, with George Lucas to create Star Wars. He is, he's one of these uh, incredibly rare people that is able to take his passion 
and make it into his career and to just kind of bring that forward. So yes, he's a fan, but as importantly, he's a fan of good stories and storytelling and character and character development and linking these great ideas together and understanding they're under a working umbrella of a mythology. So I don't see it as pressure. I think this is like a natural progression and the excellence that he is and the joy that he has of everybody who's happy about this right now. He's got to be the happiest. It's like, it's like winning the star Wars lottery. <laughs> just imagine that. And it's just, what a great thing. Boy, oh boy. I would sure like to wear that fedora and do that. That would be awesome. <laughs> it's all in the hat. <laughs> all in the hat. So in, in Dan Z's professional and humbled opinion, this is a great move for star Wars. 100%. I think it's, it's when I saw the news, uh, someone texted me heads up and I was like, great. And then boom. Yeah. I think it's, I have goosebumps now, actually, John, it's, it's, it's really good news. It's, it's feel like I've been happy with the direction of star Wars, but I think there've been some ups and downs with some things. And this feels like, all right, Han's back in the cockpit. Let's go. Let's tr- let, now we've got the coaxium. Now we can go to hyperspace because we've got the right captain doing this. But we've never really had one like that before. And with so many different cooks in the kitchen, you know, mm-hmm. stories kind of veered off. And now we have just one person that is coalescing everything and basically writing the future that we could get to look forward to. Right. In many ways, metaphorically, because in fact, he says in that article, look, I since I was a part of Ahsoka, now I can work with the storytellers because I know what it's like, because he wrote all the episodes of Ahsoka, executive produced it, directed some, casted it. He was so instrumental. And that was his, his that was his John Favreau said at Celebration Europe this year. This is Dave Filoni's magnum opus. And I thought it was beautiful. So he knows what it takes to make a story. So he won't be writing everything but he will be a part of the creative process and bringing these stories to life. Uh, I, I think it'll be even more of a connected universe now and a more mm-hmm. shared universe personally. Last question. I know you have to go. Uh, do you think he'll still write though? Do you think he'll get his hands dirty and be a part of uh, some of the more detailed stories that he wants to write? I do. I do. I think I know that he's one of the hardest people to get a hold of. Uh, and I think that now he's going to have even more that he has to do, but I feel like that's a love, right? I mean, I, I, I kind of think of it as, you know, James Gunn, who now is with, is kind of piloting that, not kind of is flying that ship for the DC cinematic universe. And he manages to find time, right? He wrote, he's writing the original Superman film for that new direction. And I think he still will. Again, I don't have any inside information on that, but I feel like it would be hard for him not to because, first of all, he's really, really good at it. And for some of these things, I feel like that would just be a natural thing. Part of me suspects, like, if there is, God willing, a season two of Ahsoka, I can't imagine we'll be writing as much of it. But again, that's just pure speculation on my part. Well, Find hard to believe that he on... wouldn't do it. We've got him on right after you, so we'll ask him. <laughs> please ask him. Yeah, please ask him. Tell him why. Ask him why he isn't returning my phone calls. Is that why you say he's so hard to get a hold of? You guys don't play tennis on Sundays anymore, is that? Ah, uh, well, pickleball is really more my speed. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for joining us, Dan Zare from Coffee with Kenobi. Our thanks to Dan Zare for joining us once again. Coffee with Kenobi. Follow him on social media and subscribe to his podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation with him tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you were missed. Was I? Yes. All right, moving on. All right. So I, 
I've always been impressed with the parades and the technology that Disneyland Paris uses. And recently, the unmanned aerial vehicle crowd, the UAVs or drone universe, has gone ballistic, as have Disney fans over there, about a new show coming to Disneyland Paris in January. This comes from DroneDJ.com, a website I never thought I'd ever go to. But it I thought it was Dronage. <laughs> it would actually be drone, Droned J. Let's go with Droned J. All right. So Disneyland Paris is once again leading the move to expand the role of drone shows and daily performances at theme parks around the world. The introduction of its Disney Electrical Sky Parade, an innovative spectacle for which pyrotechnic devices have actually been added to the UAVs themselves. So not only do we have drones, we got fireworks coming off drones. This is good stuff. So Disneyland Paris announced its nightly Disney Electrical Sky Parade will commence January 8th using the famous Sleeping Beauty castle there, the beautiful castle there, mm-hmm. as the background. Now, this drone show has been prepared uh, by a company that's well-known for its formations, and, and they did the 30th anniversary show that uh, was just magnificent over there. The idea is to recapture the emotions from the Main Street Electric Parade, which was introduced there in 92 and eventually discontinued in 2003. Now it'll be a drone show. It seeks to both revive memories of the original ground-based program for older viewers and give younger people an idea of what they missed. So I know you guys are both fans of the traditional Main Street Electrical Parade. Who knows what this is going to look like, huh? The stuff that I've seen looks absolutely amazing. I mean, just stunning. So are they flying the drones over backstage areas or water? That's kind of what it looked like. So I'm wondering just, you know, what the show looks like from different parts of the park and how they accommodate those right because the 30th anniversary show you had the f- the castle in the forefront you could see the show behind mm-hmm. it so I, it's clearly up high and behind based on drawings renderings again i understand that there are limitations in the united states because of faa regulations but man just something like this would be phenomenal they have done similar shows, nothing to this elaborate, uh, within the last decade. But you're right. I wonder why they haven't pushed the boundaries a little bit more. Um, maybe it's regulations. I'm not sure. I don't know for sure. Um, but you're going to have a drone show there with Mickey Mouse, uh, trains, Elliot the Adorable Dragon, and Cinderella's Carriage. I mean, goodness gracious, that'd be great. And it's supposed to run through September 30th, 2024, so I assume we'll be there uh, less than a year from now for the finale. Okay, Sound like a plan? Wonderful, yes. All right. So I recently saw The Marvels with my son, and it's really the first Marvel film that hasn't kind of lit the world on fire. We enjoyed it. My son and I loved it. It's fun. It's exciting. It has a great villain who has a purpose for being bad, There's a wonderful dynamic between Monica Rambeau and Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel. It's funny, it's charming, it's nostalgic. Nia DaCosta, the director, created a meaningful movie. But why are people staying away? And I kind of want to hear some of your opinions on this. Quickly, the last few Marvel films, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, made $800 million. So there have been some articles in Variety that claims that Marvel isn't doing well. It actually is doing very well up until this film. 
Um, that's around the time. That's around the uh, amount of business that the Guardians movies bring in. Ant Man: Quantumania made about four hundred million dollars, and again, that's around the same type of business that the Ant Man series films have brought in. So, before I share my thoughts and opinions, what do you think? I know Sean, you're a Marvel fan. Yes, I would have to go with superhero fatigue. Um, I was all in through in-game and, you know, everything. And then as things started coming out, I don't know if our lives just got busier or I felt a little inundated with stuff. And now I'm to the point where I don't know that I will go see this because I don't want to have missed anything that I haven't been able to see yet. So I'm kind of like, okay, where do I need to start back at to get caught up so I'm not missing everything. This is vindication. This is the Star Wars problem. <laughs> it's too much. You flood the market. The new uh, the new viewers, they're not going to go see it. The older viewers are not going to go see it. The dedicated ones, there's so much to absorb. There's so much to do. I couldn't even tell you what this movie was about. I couldn't, you know, it's not that I don't care. It's just there's too much. There's too much to even try to wrap your head around. It, it, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think part of it is superhero fatigue. However, like I said, Guardians did well. No, Ant Man <laughs> did well. Um, the but that's a films. familiar. That was pre-Endgame. Right. Tell me. Yeah, no, tell, no, no. Tell what me. You mean those characters? Yes. So tell so me what this movie is about. Marvel, though. Uh, the first movie came out in between Infinity War and Endgame. Right. So there was right. really was only nice one bridge. movie as part of that initial. It was a great bridge. Based, it made a billion dollars. Based on the title, I can't even tell you what this is about. So the Marvels, the only character that we've seen a few times is captain marvel the other two characters i'm sorry that we've seen on the big screen is captain marvel the other two characters ms marvel and monica rambeau the adult version are from yeah there's a there's, there's a kid version as an adult oh. <laughs> uh, she was a child in the first movie okay um but these characters were introduced in disney plus shows so while I do think there is some superhero fatigue, I do think there is an oversaturation amount, a you know, large amount of Marvel uh, on Disney+. Plus. And you're right. You feel like if you don't see everything, you're going to be missing out. And you do have to see at least WandaVision and Ms. Marvel not to be lost right. in the Marvels. Um, but I was so all in up through Endgame. I mean, I was looking for stuff to sure. find out. And now I'm just... I mean, it's exhausting to try to have to keep up yet again. <laughs> That's not me clapping. That's me not. clapping. My Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I feel that way too. My daughter almost has kind of dropped off a little bit. Uh, when Maybe when we get to closer to the Avengers movies, but uh, she'll be more involved again, my wife as well. Um, I think, you know, it's easy to catch up if you don't want to watch all those shows. Um, I think there have been some wonderful shows on Disney Plus, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, the Loki series, and then there have been Hawkeye was great. Then there have been some that maybe not aren't at the top of my list. I still enjoyed them, but it's a lot of content 
to get through to get right. from one movie to and, the and next. And if you're not knowledgeable, you don't know which to watch, which to miss, which to skip. And wh- it was where, those what have you first missed? few phases were so exciting to piece together and waiting for those. Well, there were like two movies a year, right? And, and that was those, it. Um, the little credit in credit scenes yeah. and okay, what's coming next? Yeah. And we were so all in, and it was a lot. And in game, emotionally exhausting. To feel to start that over again, because that was a what, uh, an 11 year from yeah, f- well, first Iron yeah, from Man 2008 game. to 2019, I think. Yeah, right? so yeah. yeah, 11 years to think of, okay, I'm 48, I'll be close to 60 by the time <laughs> this next <laughs> well, <laughs> series ends. I think they're going to speed things up a little bit. Um, there are two more Avengers movies that are that are slated. Um, you know, from the start, Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has said their plan was to go to 20 or to 2028. Now Disney may have tried to increase that and and expand that a little bit. Um, we'll see. I, I don't know if 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 they'll kind of move things forward. They're going to stretch into the R rated realm with Daredevil three. There's also going to be. The first Disney Plus Mature series with Echo, so they're 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 stretching their boundaries a little bit. We'll see what happens. I'm entertained by them, and I love the stories and where they're going. Excellent mid credit scene, by the way, in the Marvels. Well, it was just announced um, earlier this month um, that Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is going to be honored with a special award by the Themed Entertainment Association. It will win a Thea Award for Outstanding Achievement Attraction in 2024. Um, Internationally recognized, the Thea Awards acknowledge exceptional achievements in themed entertainment and celebrate the creative teams who bring immersive experiences to life. So Barbara Buza, who is the president of Walt Disney Imagineering, said, on behalf of all Imagineers, I would like to thank TEA for this tremendous recognition of Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind and for continuing to drive the themed entertainment industry forward as our Imagineering teams push the boundaries of creative storytelling in innovative and exciting ways. It's always the highest honor for our work to be recognized by friends and colleagues from around the world. So exciting little nod for Guardians of the Galaxy. I've ridden it at Epcot, John. Uh, Two-thirds of the family has. Uh, Those reviews were very good, and the most important part apparently to the teenagers was that Earth, Wind, and Fire's September was playing in the background. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and because they change out that music uh it makes it for a different attraction sometimes unless you ride on the 21st day of september and that song plays all day <laughs> does it it did this year <laughs> i yes. didn't know that <laughs> that's a great, great unless tidbit. you had to work the ride and then by the end you're going turn it off <laughs> please give me it's a small world <laughs> Something, all right <laughs> well that's going to do it for us this week make sure you follow us on social media you can email us at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. Wherever you're listening to us, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please rate and review us so more people find the show. Till next week, have a great one, everybody. We're glad you could join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email or send us a recorded audio message at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. Find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Hyperion Hub is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its subsidiaries. We'll meet you next time at the Hyperion Hub.